0: I'd like to thank everyone for tuning in again for another episode of Religion Means Alive presents the Radiant Brilliant Show with your host, Kimberly Kalima, the show where culture meets conversation. This evening, we have the pleasure of speaking with published author, Umzakia. I'll read you a little bit of her bio that is provided at uvauthor.com. Umzakia is the best-selling author of the If I Should Speak trilogy, The novel, His Other Wife, and the newly released Pain, from the Journal of Um Umzaqiyah. Through her novels, short stories, and blogs at uziauthor.com, she writes about the interfaith struggles of Muslims and Christians and the intercultural, spiritual, and moral struggles of Muslims in America. Her work has earned praise from writers, professors, and filmmakers, and has been translated into multiple languages. Dr. Robert D. Crane, advisor to former U.S. President Nixon, Said of Umza no amount of training can bring a person without superb natural talent to captivate the reader as she does and exert a permanent intellectual and emotional impact. Professor Katie Bryant of Howard University said of, if I should speak, the novel brings to a genre worthy of scholarly study.
1: And again, if you'd like
0: to check out more of her biography, please visit uzauthor.com. But at this time, I'd like to welcome for the Radio Brilliant Show – um Zakiya. Assalamu alaikum. how are you this evening? Wa well, alaikum, Alhamdulillah, I'm good. How are you? I'm fine, alhamdulillah. I'd like to thank you so very much for giving us a moment of your time
1: to learn a little bit more about you,
0: your craft,
1: and your future endeavors. Yes, and then thank you for having me. MashaAllah.
0: I would like to let the audience know that, first of all, I am a very big fan of your works, myself and my teenage daughter. And I first read about you in Aziza magazine several, several years ago. There was one copy of Aziza that I'd seen with the book you had called Hearts We Lost. And I read it. It was captivating. I'd never heard of you before, but there was a write-up about the introduction of Muslim fiction. And I circled that article and kept it on my dresser for years. I attended an event called Artscape that was held in Baltimore, and another sister, Naima, with Infinite Productions, put together an event to kind of showcase Muslim artisans called the Art of Ramadan. We had a table set up with a company I work with, Schema Things Graphics, and I saw all of these books by Umm just spread out, and I couldn't believe it because I had been looking for the books at local bookstores for about two years, or no, more than that, longer than that, longer than two mm-hmm. years. years—and I. I ran over it because I said, Oh my goodness, I know this book cover. I've seen it in this magazine and I've seen it online when people talked about it, and I've always wanted to buy them. And I thought, uh, Do you know the author? And the lady behind the table was sitting there quietly said, I'm the author.
1: Oh, my <laughs> <laughs> Yes,
0: it is. And they had an opportunity to meet someone uh, whose writing I really admire. I'm a voracious reader. There hasn't been for quite a while some really substantive articles for for us to read one thing i wanted to bring up just uh to start everything off was in the early 2000s there was a rise in a lot of urban fiction for some reason that was one market that really burgeoned because apparently african americans wanted to read they wanted something to read and growing up in the 70s the popular books uh, that were out were like harlequin romance novels and things like that Mm. and the the urban fiction seemed to take on that tale because there was a new book out every week or one author had like 10 books come out in two days. And there was just some substance there that, that I was missing. Um, I grew up reading, you know, Maya Angelou, Toni Morrison, uh, Henry Wadsworth, Longfellow, people like that who painted Lakers. pictures. with They were very picturesque in their writing. My question was, first of all, what inspired you to contribute to the brand new field? It was brand new just
1: the late 90s, early 2000s, of Muslim fiction? Well, actually, I had not heard of any Muslim fiction at the time that I was doing my writing, except for children and very young adults. And as far as I knew at that time, what I was doing was something that had not been done before. For me, it was more so just an extension of what I had always been doing from young, I've always been writing. I write stories even when I was a child. Even though I'm sure none of those were publishable. <laughs> but I, I had been writing one particular story which ended up being "If I Should Speak," and I didn't know it would be published. But I had been working on it back and forth. I had made the decision I'm going to finish this, and I had not put necessary time frame. I finished it, at least the first draft, put it on my shelf, and then when my friends would come over, they would read some of it, and I'm like, "Well, you should really publish this." And Finally, I just, you know, I made dua and I, I just decided, you know what, let me see what's going to happen. And, um, I went through and I rewrote it, revised it. I call it my Tahajjit book because I would get up and pray at night, pray to Raqqa, write, then pray again, write, you know, and I would make dua. I said, Oh Allah, make this a guide to those whom you wish to guide and a proof against those who will not be guided. So that was that, that prayer. And so I went ahead and I had no idea what was going to happen, but my first after I published it with no advertising, no marketing, and just maybe some people had known about it, and going on chat, you know, chat rooms, and that was the message boards. That was the thing that back at that time that was like yeah. 2001. And my first orders came from uh, the United Kingdom and Australia, and I also was contacted by a professor at Howard University who was the one who uh, ended up writing that review, and he had said he had just finished traveling all over the world looking for this specific type of writing and he had just kind of Mm -hmm. given up and literally walked and just was browsing a a Muslim bookstore in the um, Maryland area and was not even thinking about what he had traveled for and he he saw my book and he was like wow I was traveling to find this type of literature Mm -hmm. so for the the English language because it exists um, I'm sure in Arabic and Urdu and different things like that but he had been looking for the English language so it was more so just you know, I didn't necessarily think, okay, I'm going to be like one of the pioneers of this a particular type of genre. I didn't even have a name for it. All I knew was I wanted to write a novel, and I wanted it to be authentic to the experience of, of a Muslim who actually believes in what their what um, what their faith is, instead of like the sensationalized things that we see on TV and all of these sorts of things. And I wanted it to be inspirational, such that someone would understand from the bottom of their heart, what it means to actually believe in your Lord and actually want to hold on to this throughout your life. That's
0: inspiring in itself.
1: Michelle. (laughs) The the
0: integrity of that purpose and what you were trying to communicate is um, inspiring to itself. Um, And for us this evening, I did want us, you know, to remember the theme that I like is just telling our our own stories and telling our narrative. And if you can, before we go into how long you've been writing and things of that nature and the things you try out first, why is it important for us, in your opinion, to tell our own story um, as African Americans, as Muslims, and as women? You and I fit in several categories here. but Yeah, I know.
1: A few of Yes. Well, I mean, the way I look at it is if you're not going to tell your story, who will? You know, it's really as simple as that. And I I think that I look at the the most important um, perspective is the Muslim element for me personally simply because it deals with our purpose on Earth. Without that story, I feel that we can sometimes feel, well, let me say it like this. I know growing up I felt like I was not in any books that I read, even when there were stories about African-Americans, about females, you know, mm-hmm. um, I was never there. Whenever there was a Muslim, it was either someone who was from the nation of Islam, if they happened to be black, or it was someone who was Arab or some sort of exotic sort of you know country, and it was never positive. And I remember that continuous experience through television, movies, and my feeling was less of offense versus where's the authentic authenticity in terms of the people who live like me because this story needs to be told because everyone doesn't pick up a, an Islamic book or, you know, let let me learn about, you know, God. And without that, and we are a culture and generation of stories and entertainment. And mm-hmm. although there are a lot of people who want to read and get into the intellectual realm, that's more so for people who are actually, they, they've already decided a particular subject and they're already searching for that. But I wanted to present something more so from the perspective of life. You know, we live in this world with many different people. Muslims are a major (laughs) part of this existence, and American Muslims in particular, African Americans, Latina, you know, these are people who actually we deal with every single day and we know nothing about them. And I wanted to take the reader through that um, life, through their eyes, and also To inspire Muslims to know, you know, keep going. I mean, you're you not invisible. You know, you you have a life that's very purposeful, and it's worth living. And in terms of the the African-American aspect, Mm -hmm. I didn't really consciously say, oh, let me tell the African-American story. I was more so thinking about let's tell the Muslim story, and that naturally is going to reflect the human family because that's what Islam is, the human family. And my particular background is African-American. So naturally, that particular um, perspective is going to be there and probably going to be the strongest one in my story simply because you can only write from what you know and experience or at least have had close dealings with. And and as a beginning writer, one of the things I tell people is stick to what you know, you know, and then write as honestly and sincerely as possible, even if it hurts sometimes. And then you'll find that the book can turn out to be really good, inshallah.
0: Wow, inshallah, inshallah. I will have to say that what I got from what you just stated is that representation matters and relatability matters, and I believe that's one thing. When I first got your book, I didn't know if it would be over my head if you were speaking in a realm that I wouldn't be able to grasp, but it Mm. did not take very long for me to get into it, and it became the book, and the one I'm speaking on was the first one that I delved into, Hearts We Lost. It became one of those books where if you went to work and you left it at home, you were mad. You know when you have a really good book and you want to keep it next to you? The bookworms out there know what I'm talking about. Oh, I know what you're talking about. (laughs) You make sure that you have it with you. Everywhere you go, you don't want to miss an episode. And it's just a book, and all you have to do is turn a page, but you're like, I'm missing what was happening next. What I liked was the unique ability that you had to not only um, speak on Islam, and explain it in a language where nobody felt dumb. You weren't talking where people felt, let me go get, let me go sit with a scholar for four years and come back and read this. It was very clear, easy to understand. Uh, the situations in it, they, They tangled with your heart. Either you've been through some of these or you have a friend who's been through some of the situations. Lots of elements were represented. Parents were represented. The concern for their children, men who are trying to make the decisions and, and grow up and become accountable, women who are in love, women who have dreams and hopes and aspirations, and what happens when they don't come true, what happens when they do, what happens when it actualizes in a way you never imagined but it was better than what you could imagine. There were so many things folded up into this little, this little paper bag that got me in right here.
1: Um, it was
0: so great. I, I have to say that, and that's just from a point of admiration for really really good writing that has a lot of a lot of strings to tie you in to keep you coming back for more. I remember reaching out to you one time. I'm forgetting that thousands of people knew you. And I'm like, hey, we love your stuff. What do you recommend for my daughter next? Who's a teenager. And without a, a – you didn't drop a beat. You were like, well, I got this series right here. And this oh, is the next
1: one. And,
0: and you listened to what I said wholeheartedly as though we were sitting at the table with a cup of coffee. And my what you thought – and you were exactly right. I think – She's got three of the books of her own, and we're, we we got to get fourth one. And she said, well, you talk to her, let her know we need some more teenage books. So I'm putting that in here. But, um, oh, yeah, I'm <laughs>
1: trying. Make you all for me, please. And, <laughs>
0: and They're really good. And as a mother who cares about what goes between her daughter's ears, I, I thank you for the efforts that, that you me. made to reach a great stand of, of the feminine heart. I, I have to thank you personally okay. for that. I'm How doing. hard was it? To sell the idea of Muslim fiction. There were many articles written about it. I was excited to see it because of the alternate versions that were out. There were secular, there were street stories, there were, um, hustling stories. They didn't, they didn't speak to my experience. So I was very excited to see fiction that was written from a Muslim perspective. I saw positive, I saw negative, I saw where women shouldn't write. How hard was it for you to say,
1: "Okay, I got this
0: manuscript here. I want to get this out?
1: Well, it was a journey um because I had first started writing children's books, and they kind of dealt with some of the things I do with my novels, but on a, on a um simpler scale, and I remember sending one to, and this was before if I should speak, I sent because I also do art, and so I illustrated and everything. And so I sent it to them, and it was a very well-known company, Muslim publishing company. They had published other children's books, Islamic books. And their response to me was, this would probably be best for black people. And I was like, what? You know? <laughs> so, you know, from that, I was like, and I didn't know I would have if I speak within that same year. Cause I was, I'm always writing. out have so many different books going on at the same time. But I told myself, you know what, I knew from that moment, whatever you're going to do, you're going to have to do it alone. I didn't want that. I didn't like it. I had looked into different options. But what I realized when I was, I was like, if that's the reaction for a genre that's already there and it has black characters, what about a genre that's not even really there at all? (laughs) You know, and then then I saw that a couple places were kind of toying with the idea, you know, just of, Little short stories online and chat rooms and different things like that, but I didn't see any real place for it. And again, I didn't have a name for it. You know, I didn't know. I didn't even know when I was signing it up, registering it, and um I forgot whether it was the ISBN or Library of congress, But anyway, that you have to choose a category. I didn't even know what to put. I was like, what am I supposed to put? Islamic fiction didn't exist.
2: Uh-huh.
1: I didn't have a name for it. So I think for me, it was a journey, and it's a journey that continues today but I think today I'm more so at peace with it but at the beginning I was hearing things like writing fiction as haram I still hear that but I don't pay attention anymore and I had to do a lot of soul searching you know regarding what I was comfortable with in front of, a of ta'ala, and I did a lot of praying a lot of making dua, a lot of researching I think like all of that contributed to me just going moving forward but in terms of selling this idea, putting it out there, it's been, it's still a journey, to be honest. I'm still trying to build a wider audience. It's grown a lot, alhamdulillah, but in terms of where we need it to be, or, you know, I think we have a lot of work to do. But but that's a book in and of itself, so I'm trying to keep it really brief. But it, it was a journey because I think that one of the things that's very unfortunate amongst Muslims Today, as we're very good at criticizing, but we're still learning how to support and love, and that hurts, and it continues to hurt, even today for me, Um, and it affects a lot of things that, you know, a lot of people can't see beyond what the books and the Facebook pages and different things like that. I, I still do get a lot of opposition. It's not as much as before, but it's still something I'm learning how to market, and because you, like... Well, for for you, Mashallah, you think, oh, wow, this is for my daughter. But some people still like the fact that you mention a boy, mm-hmm. this is inappropriate, you know, in, in a yeah. context of someone liking each other. I was raised differently. My parents, even before I was even in puberty, told us about, you know, look, you know, this is how a lot created you. This is a natural feeling if you like someone. You just, when you grow up, you get to get married, you know. So I can't relate to those sorts of um, inhibitions. But uh, it's been a journey, and and for the sake of time, I'll just say that I'm continuing to learn and grow and and try to take it wherever um, Allah takes me, but at the same time make a lot of du'a for uh, improvement and growth within myself and the ummah. Inshallah,
0: Inshallah. I was trying to remember the very first Muslim fiction story that I purchased. And I want—I I hate that I didn't look that up previously. It was called Love in a Headscarf. And mm. I said, well, let me see, you know, what's going on. And it was basically about a young woman who in her culture that becomes a certain age for you to get married and all the aunties go out and, and market you for marriage. She spoke of the pressures of the family being the ones to make the decisions. Oh, he's really educated. Oh, he's got a lot of money. You should like him. Or they, all the aunties would come over and take pictures and look at this one and look at that one and look at that one. And she really didn't have a choice. And she actually was taking her time and finding a mate or a spouse, which was work, not working out very well for a family. Cause yeah, traditionally, I, I read that. Yeah, I, I yes. remember that. I read that. And while it was very, very good, it was not my experience. It wasn't my story. So um, for those yeah. of us, yes, who were interested in looking for something, you know, there are great books and there are great stories. And it was a good, it was a good little entertainment story. Very, it was
1: definitely very, very well written, very yes. entertaining, captivating and everything. I was yes. not even, but the, it, was, it was hard to relate to it. Yeah. Yes, yes. And that's
0: what, that's what happened with your books. I was able to relate to so a lot of women probably were very happy. She was, I'm sure, telling the story for millions of women who are in the position where tradition rules over a lot of exactly. things. And yes. she addressed that, but that was that was another interesting one. Love in and hate Headstone. But you saying that, you know, you wanted to speak from your own experience for what you know, you speaking up called the ears and the hearts of, of a great many of us. Are there writers that you admire or you pattern yourself after, or some that maybe you read when you were younger that you always liked?
1: Well, I definitely have writers that I like, but I can't say any I patterned myself after, at least consciously. Simply because I always, no matter what I read, I was always, um, I never felt like I was completely there. Like, for example, one of my favorite writers was Mildred D. Taylor. Roll of thunder, hear my cry, let the circle be unbroken, the road to Memphis. These, I loved her books, and I would even go when she started writing the short um, stories, I would read that. And I continue to, like, today I'm glad we have, like, Naima D. Roberts you know, mm-hmm. out of the U.K. And, yeah, so I had many people, and then also like Richard Paul Evans, Jody Pickle, you know, but I wouldn't say I pattern myself after anyone, but I'm sure that who I read and what I liked definitely influenced me in a way that I, I'm not conscious of. Mm-hmm. But the reason it's hard, it was actually in a way a bit frustrating and confusing in the beginning because I didn't have a model. I didn't know how much was too much to say, with, like, because I didn't, none of the book like, at that time, of B. Roberts was not out, you know, and um, even Love and a Headscarf, things like this were not published at the time that I was writing, because my first book was in 2001, you know, and, Very early well, well it was written before that, it was actually written in the late 90s, but it was in, ended up, when I, after I finished revising and everything, and it came out in 2001, so I knew of nothing. In fact, uh, I found out when I saw an article on Wikipedia that they, that some people consider me the actually first person to actually write what is considered now Muslim fiction. Yes, so, ma'am.
0: I read that on Wikipedia. They were talking yes. about your series. It mentioned you and one other lady, but it does credit you with being, uh, the first to come out with a, a series of Muslim fiction for adults and teens.
1: Exactly. And that's what I, and, and so I didn't know. For sure you know myself you know but because i just i'd like to say i wasn't aware of it but it was uh, i wanted a role model you know i wanted someone who i could talk to and get advice from even just look at even if it wasn't necessarily literally in front of me obviously because i don't know, Mildred, <laughs> and, you know all these other people but even if i did know them the point is i could not they couldn't answer the questions that i had because the heart of my book was spiritual from a Muslim perspective, but I didn't want it to be overly didactic or what people consider preachy. But at the same time, I felt like, what's the point in writing if I'm not doing it for Allah? You know, because I remember when I was growing up and my parents who converted to Islam, you know, we would sit after Fajr and they would read from the Quran and one thing my father would read sometimes would be, you know, one of the translations. When the Quran is read, listen to it with attention, you know, I was Paying attention to these sorts of things like this Quran is like this you know the foundation of our life and more specifically in sort of as it relates to me when when he was reading that you know the like those who spend out of what we have provided for them you know and then I that always sticks in my mind like Allah provided me with this gift of writing with this gift of intent I have to spend out of this for his sake, I have no choice, and I want to do it anyway. That's the dilemma that was in my head when I was, um, writing. How do I bring this end to get people's attention in the context of calling people to look at this book that your Lord revealed to you and then also just using my talents for the purpose of what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had put us on earth for because I didn't see any point. Like, I just really don't see any point of any venture. If at the very least I cannot seek to get blessings from it so to be honest what the books i was looking at the most was i was reading the Quran, i was reading different i was listening to different lectures and i was reading different novels but i was trying to find a way to that middle ground and for some people they feel i found it very well some people felt like i was too preachy some people felt like you know i didn't put enough islam so i got a lot of criticism so that was confusing. So I was unfortunately unable to model myself after anyone. I tried as best I could to follow the rules of fiction writing as I understood it at that time. But at the same time, I was trying to, you know, incorporate within the book the lessons that are natural parts of the life of a practicing Muslim. And so that that was what I was doing. So mostly it was a lot of praying and lying. And I would have really loved to have something you know but to to look at it say, oh you know to help me but at the same time as i got stressed during that time i started thinking but this is exciting i was telling myself like okay this is exciting because if this works out you're going to be like somebody pioneering and this you know Mm -hmm. so i was like but this is scary
0: (laughs) hello again everyone i'm just making a brief intermission i want to let you know that you are tuning in To Religion Means Alive presents The Radiant Brilliant Show with your host, Kimberly Kalima, the show where culture meets conversation. Thanks so much for tuning in again, and back to the show. I want to thank you, too, that reminder of using your talents and and your abilities and the things that you have that Allah has blessed us with. And there are many people who I know that are artistic that have come to that road where they're trying to find the balance of using what has been bequeathed to them, but using it in a way that's positive, that doesn't put a bad smear on Islam, but they're still able to express themselves. That is a a very common situation among among some of our artsy people. You know, they want yes. to be expressive, but they also want to be respectful. They want to be reverent. And they want to do it right.
1: Yeah. So I. Mashallah. It may Allah make it easy for them because everyone oh, has a different challenge and a different path as, as a, in terms of the worldly expressions of, of talents and abilities. And not everyone is going to feel that responsibility to do what I did. And, and I don't. Necessarily believe everyone should per se, as long as we are staying within you know the bounds of what Allah North said for us, yes. you know. But for me personally, I felt it very deeply, even as a child, that this was an obligation upon me, and I assumed it was an obligation upon every Muslim. I wasn't thinking along those lines when I was writing. it Was more so I have I have to answer to a law, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, you know that's how I was thinking. I wasn't thinking about oh, and someone else should be, you know. I was really, really conscious that. You know, because I could use my writing for many things, and I've had offers and opportunities to do different things. But yeah. I prefer to stay close to home, spiritually speaking. <laughs>
0: okay. Alhamdulillah. Okay. Do now, your first couple of interests, were you self-published? I know that is well, one route that a lot of people are taking who are finding a little adversity with trying to get signed on to larger companies.
1: Well, I had actually, as I mentioned, I was unable to find anyone that I felt could take my work, I guess, in, in other words, and do what, what I wanted with it. Yeah. So I started a, my own publishing company and with the intention of actually publishing other work besides my own, and I guess it could be considered self-published, but that was not my what my mindset was when I started a publishing company. But I do think that given where we are in 2016, for people who are starting to write, I do think self-publishing is probably the way to way to go for the future. You definitely need help. You're going to need assistance. You probably have to hire a couple of people to help out with some of the marketing, formatting, and strategizing. But overall, the way the technology and also the, the publishing and the printing, the selling, and the digital books have gone – I think self-publishing is a very wide decision, to be honest.
0: Okay. All righty. And I hope that anyone who is writing or wants to write is really paying close attention to a lot of the information that you're sharing, from how you gather your stories to the support you received and, and didn't receive in the beginning so that you aren't discouraged. Your storylines, are they based on real lives and people? Or do you just have this super incredible imagination?
1: Oh, mashallah, you're (laughs) so kind. (laughs) That's a very nice way to put it. (laughs) We'll just leave it at the question. It's probably going to sound better than my answer. For me, all of my stories in terms of the details are fictional. They're obviously inspired by real life in general. None of my stories could I say, oh, yeah, this is based on this person or, you know, it's based on this event everything's mixed up in there. Like, if there's one event that inspired one character or event, it's like 20 other situations mixed in that person and in that event, in that plot. So I guess I I would consider myself, I have an overactive imagination that I've had since I was a child. And I, I understand and relate. Yeah, so <laughs> I so a lot of relate. artists have this, you know, and so yeah. I, was, I could hear one word, and then that's it, i a whole story is behind it, you know. Mm-hmm. So, and I don't necessarily need to know the details. Uh, of what actually happened or or you know and and sometimes some stories are more inspired by reality than others but what i try to do with each story to make it as authentic as possible because the problem with an imagination is that it's an imagination (laughs) yes so you don't necessarily have the complexities of reality inside your imagination and to get that into a tangible reality is not easy so what i do to make up for that is Every single time I write, first of all, I make a lot of, I make a lot of, but while in a practical sense, when I'm writing, I put myself in the place of that character. And I try as best I can to say, if this were me, and I was in this situation, how would I feel? What would I do? And I would draw on people who maybe I met who seem to have a similar struggle or situation, and, and it would be more than one usually. And connect it with my own human reality of the heart, even if it's something like, for example, in hearts we lost. We have a character Vernon, you know, who's not Muslim and not too <laughs> plot plot spoilers, but some you know people have different <laughs> opinions about him. But I connected with him as a writer so that I could tell his story, you know, even though he did not represent what I believe is correct. But the reality is, is that we're all human. And if we're honest, we can all relate on some level to every human struggle, maybe not on all levels, mm-hmm. but to relate on some level. And so that's what I do. And so well, a lot of the depth comes from my own self-reflection and looking at the human soul with my own experience reflecting on the stories from the Quran and different things of just what happens to the human being, the soul, the mind, and when you're in particular situations. I draw on a lot of that. And so in that, it's inspired by reality, and but I cannot help. My overactive imagination. They say truth is stranger than (laughs) fiction, and that may be true. But I think fiction is more exciting than truth. (laughs) Oh wow! Okay. I should say, or I should say, truth and fiction is more exciting than facts. Let me not say that. I I believe truth and facts are two different things. Wow, that's
0: an interesting answer.
1: Okay. What I also would
0: like to introduce as well, because I wanted to spend. The first half of our conversation about how you got started in writing, what you've learned from it, what elements you use to create the fantastic soup that you create that is your books. Um, I wanted to interject this just really quickly. For the listeners, you're still here with us. I'd like to thank you so much. And if you like what you're hearing and would like to continue listening to shows like this one, please generously donate to our program through PayPal using Religion Means Alive. This will enable continued broadcasting and help us reach our goal-centered on taking our mission from the airwaves to the streets. Now we are here today. A lot of people know who you are. You've got an exciting, interactive social media presence. How has your life
1: changed? Well, I think that, yeah, I would say that social media probably marks a a more significant change than just the publishing itself because I've always been writing, Mm -hmm. and before I was on social media, I was just writing books I would see comments here and there I would go to different book clubs you know but I was not on social media at, until I don't know when what it, I know it wasn't it was after I had gone to Saudi Arabia i lived there for seven and a half years and my friends kept telling mm-hmm. me to get on social media was just like I don't even know if there's an analogy to to explain that it's <laughs> almost like I'm in my house and, and, you know, I'm writing and I may get a couple phone calls and then all of a sudden I open the door and it's like I'm on this train, all these people are there, people are yes. yelling, screaming, I feel like it's part where I'm going to fall off and then some people are pushing, some people are like, hey, stand by me. You know? So it was, it, it was really a culture shock to be very honest. Um, the, the social media um, for me, because it was something I'd never seen before again. And remember I, was not like when it became popular I wasn't on social media you know so I didn't really know about it. I'm just I had to ask my sister you know um like what is this twitter thing that people are doing you know I was like what is this and so yeah and she was like oh she said I forgot how she put it, it was really funny she said something like oh it's basically I follow you you follow me and notice me following you and then I'll notice you following me <laughs> it's the truth and I was, I was like what? And then after I got on it, I was like, oh, okay, you know. And then I remember um, someone else, that one of my friends explained to me, it's basically you spying on yourself, you know. Mm. That was their explanation because they were talking about the more, you know, it's, uh, inappropriate parts of Twitter where people will be doing mm-hmm. certain things they're doing. So I had a really hard time figuring that out. Oh. And uh, and I'm still figuring that one out. But i I ended up just focusing on Facebook because I couldn't figure out those other things and I've recently went ahead and added the other. But it's been it's been wow, you know, I <laughs> didn't realize how opinionated we were
0: <laughs> Yes, I've learned a lot myself.
1: Uh just yeah, scrolling I, and reading and news feeds. Yeah, I've reached a point where I don't do news feeds that much and so I I, mm-hmm. I haven't done it probably in several months. Um I'll something I'll go really quickly and look for a couple people who are uh, my friends by here oh i posted something i said oh let me go look yeah. it's overwhelming i would say over for me because i'm an, i have an empathic kind of personality and it's sometimes it's too much for me but right. i've i've seen some of the most beautiful things too you know people sending messages and saying wonderful things all the support i've gotten especially to my facebook page mm-hmm. i i really appreciate all of that and i make your for all of um my supporters and Muslim brothers and sisters, whether they support me or not, I make dark them in my prayers. I, you know, but it's also been very challenging because I was, I came across, especially after I wrote my latest book, His Other Wife, I began mm-hmm. to realize that things are not really as I imagined them to be in certain Muslim circles, I will put it like that, Yes. in, in terms mm-hmm. of how we understand our faith. Because I I had kind of had a point of view before I went over on social media. I understood that people had, you know, different issues or personal struggles with different things in, in Islam or in, in their life. But I, I kind of thought of those as like private struggles. I never mm-hmm. really knew that there was like social media like movements against things like polygamy and, and um, also open support for different you know, moral lifestyles that mm-hmm. Ben-A-Law talked about and I was in culture shock for that part because I wasn't, I knew it was happening, you know, I, obviously mm-hmm. I had known, because I, even, I even give advice to people going through different struggles and so I know Muslims are having certain struggles, but I didn't, that was my introduction, social media was my introduction wow. to people actually almost like coming together on a community level to actually oppose on ideological level, things that a lot of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has already spoken about. That was probably my biggest shock on hmm. uh, social media in a negative way, but um, but the positive has been really, really powerful too, but I'm still kind of learning that part, you know, and right. it kind of changes my perspective even as a writer in the sense of, wow, you know, this is a new phenomenon that I didn't know existed on this level, and then maybe it did not. Maybe social media actually introduced it itself. I don't know.
0: Yeah, there are certain aspects of social media that are really good when it comes to, like the encouraging means you mentioned, networking, announcing communities that are doing great things. But there is a, an inhibition. And it's almost like if you've ever seen in a movie where somebody's got this ability where all of a sudden they can read everybody's minds. That somehow, sometimes how it is. On Facebook, there are some people who are so uninhibited with the things that they say, you're scrolling around and you're hearing their innermost thoughts because they they have no problem putting them out. So it yeah. can't be something like for yourself, using it as a, an integrated tool towards marketing or to stay in touch with the people that admire your work and, and really get honest feedback. That can be the good thing, but pulling back every now and then is, is not a bad idea. There were two questions I had after this that you kind of brought in the responses from your work, if it's been positive or negative. And I am in a couple of groups where, one in particular, where a lot of the sisters were tickled pink with your The Other Wife series.
2: And when oh, you introduced it,
0: yeah. you had the these Wife sisters Wife. talking like, back in the days, my mother and some of her friends used to watch soap operas. So you go oh, to the God. shop or the laundromat, and they would talk about these characters like they were real people. I want to let you know. That the other, the other wife series. Or his conflict. other wife, yes. His yes. other wife series. I yes. apologize. It no took off like that. And sisters were talking, and what's going to happen next? And I don't agree with so and so. But have you read the next? That is really what was going on. But so you made a splash
1: as far as that regards. MashaAllah. Uh, well, yeah, I, I, yes. I didn't see that coming. You know, I, oh, yes. Yeah. But it was a very positive, um, I was very happy. It was a lot of positive interaction and feedback mm-hmm. regarding that. And, you know, I didn't expect that much, and alhamdulillah, is very merciful. It was overwhelming, but in a good way. You know, and I was like, oh, my God, because then after I I was thinking I'm only going to do, like, five installments, and people were like, what, you know?
2: <laughs> Where are you going? So, Come
1: back. Yeah, and then when I finished at 22, and it was, like, the first week of Ramadan, I was like, okay, I am not riding through Ramadan. That yeah. <laughs> was last Ramadan. And people were like, where's more, you know? And then, and I, for me, you know, I... I wouldn't have had a problem. I'm not necessarily, you know, I don't object to necessarily publishing or reading. I'm not because I know that what I write, I try to incorporate spiritual aspects, but it was just overwhelming mm-hmm. for me to do it. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. You know, um, and so, because I had not expected it to go that far. So I just decided, you know what, I, made the I said, you know what, guys, you know, look, I'm going to. Just do a novel and then people are like, okay, what is it? You know, I was like, okay, get me time to write it, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So um, it was very beautiful and positive, but it also brought out a lot of things. And I think in, in, in defense of the negativity, if that sounds, if that's the right way to say it, I think that sometimes when we air the negative feelings and that we have, it's, it's, it's the opportunity for growth and honesty and healing. You know, so um I'm not sure if that's a defense of it, but I think that it can have a, Positive impact for those who are sincere and wanting to navigate through their confusion. Yeah, I want to clarify that. Great answer. You know, That's
2: a great answer.
1: You know, um, you know, the problem is when we get stuck there. As with anything in life, when we get stuck at our negativity and stuck, stuck at our angry questions, you know, then there's nowhere to go but backwards. But um, but it's, but it's beautiful that when we that this series itself brought out a lot of that, and it, and a lot of people themselves and even myself included I learned a lot and I feel like I grew Mm -hmm. as a person and became more understanding of different struggles just in hearing about topics you know because everyone handles things differently you know so it was very and I definitely appreciate all my readers um, you know very very much you know and what kind
0: of what kind of things do your do your readers say because I know they all feel like you belong just to them.
1: <laughs> Mashallah. Well, I mean, one of the things that I hear most of the time is that people say that I feel like you were telling my story. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this yeah. was about me. And some people joke, had I not known you, I would have thought you were reporting me in my house and <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then like yeah. writing all
2: my thoughts and stuff.
1: You know, um, I hear that a lot. And one of the most heartwarming is when I hear people, they become Muslim or they actually had stopped practicing and then they began practicing again Damn. after. Those are the most heartwarming and inspirational, uh, forms of feedback that I received. And
0: that is, that is truly, truly a gift. Another thing I'd like to bring up is the interface element. Yes. Yeah. Now, I believe, uh, one of the stories that my daughter read, um, and because we spoke on the His Other Wife series, if we could also briefly just you know, put a plug in for the Muslim Girl Series. I think oh, that's yes. an Excellent idea, and I don't want anybody to miss that out with any little tweens or, or teenagers, and you want to give them something to, to read or look at. And I I wasn't sure how well my daughter would receive it because, oh, mama's reading Muslim books. Oh, that's so corny. You know, I know. <laughs> whatever <laughs> yeah. your mom does is corny. However there were things that spoke to her in a way that I couldn't as a mother that you were able to communicate in these books. So if you could, you know, speak on the interfaith element of your adult writings and hint a little bit about the Muslim Girl series as well. Well,
1: actually, with the interfaith, I find it interesting because I, when I first started writing, I never really thought about it in that way simply Mm -hmm. because, you know, my family, you know, is full of mostly Christians and my parents converted. To a time, so I have brothers and sisters who are Christian, and, you know, growing up in America in public school, I was always the only Muslim, so to me, it was just life, you know, yes. with, and with mm-hmm. other faiths and people, but then as I began to write, I realized that this would be considered interfaith, you know, mm-hmm. and then the intercultural issues that are happening, so for me, it was just really just a testimony to what I know in real life. I don't know how it feels to Be in an environment where there's no other religion around, Mm
2: -hmm. you know,
1: in terms of in my practical life, except for my brief stay in Saudi Arabia, but even in Saudi Arabia, I'm still keeping in touch with my family. I'm email, you know. So I don't have, and even in my, where I work, there were non Muslims there. So, but I, but it's, it's a part of the human experience on earth, which is why I was so surprised growing up that where are the stories of you know Muslims in in the world, like you have a novel, book, all these things, but no Muslims. I was like, where do these people live? Mm-hmm. You, know? <laughs> yep. you know, so I was like, it felt like they had to try not to put us in there. So, mm, so um, that's a good point. Yeah. So I mean, it felt that way in a lot of those because you know it's very. I mean, because I've met people you know in my life who never met black people except mm-hmm. in, the, in the last few years. I met some people like that in Saudi wow. So. So it was, um, I had, you know, it's a whole world that I don't know about. So, I, And then I, it, I began to realize it's not necessarily on purpose. Sometimes people really have no real interaction with anyone outside of their immediate group. So, and then for the Muslim Girl series, that was an extension of that. You have the, this dynamic of here's this girl who's her, her parents become Muslim. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sorry, her mother, excuse me, becomes Muslim, not her parents. And she has her whole life has changed. And she has, she believes in Islam, she's following Islam, but there's still that young reality that she has to deal with as her mother comes back from a brief stay in Saudi Arabia, and now she's faced with, I'm at public school looking like this, where she's Mm -hmm. memorized Quran, she's inspired people to cover, and she teaches Quran on the weekends. She's 16 years old at this time, and she ends up having... To at least in her mind, live a double life. Remove mm-hmm. her hijab or khimar before she comes home. Put it back on. Uh, I'm sorry. After she leaves from home, she 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 removes it when she goes to school and then puts it back mm-hmm. on before she comes home. And I I knew people who went through this when I was in school. Uh-huh.
0: Um, and so very real, very real.
1: Was, yeah. So this was actually touching on a lot of things I personally saw and some of the internal struggles I know I went through in public. Because it's one of those things that I know, like for a lot, one of the criticisms I receive a lot from Muslim parents is, "Why are you talking about these things?" And those usually come from non-African American parents. But I find that what was happening when I was in school is that, regardless of where you're from, whether you're from Pakistan, Saudi Arabia, you know, India, mm-hmm. Indonesia, if you're in public school, these are issues you're facing, whether your mom and your daddy knows about it or not. Yeah. Um, and so, I don't know how to write a story without reality involved. So I don't really know how to do that. I can lower the level and deal with elementary school, but even then, I'd have to kind of, you know, sugarcoat things that happen in public school. So Muslim Girl was really inspired by that very real teenage struggle. And as far as I'm concerned, compared to my other books, it was very light, you know. Um, okay. In terms of where I could have gone in terms of the depth, and I only kept it light because of the teenage aspect,
0: mm-hmm. but
1: it still was deep for many readers, and even some of my adult readers were like, no, 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 this was good, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah, so, you're right. Uh, Should my daughter recommend? Okay, mom, now it's time for us to. start so I, I need you to read some of mine
1: because, and again.
0: There was a, an element of relatability, and you didn't tiptoe around topics, and you did not make it inappropriate either. You found a delicate balance on how to speak to a young woman's mind who's growing and, and thinking about her future and thinking about how she matters and what her friends think of her and what her purpose is. So it was a, a great prescription there.
1: Yes, I'm very happy, and I tried to keep that balance specifically for my younger audience, and I try very hard. But for the most part, the vast majority of the the feedback, even from Muslim parents, has been very positive because what happens once our children become teenagers, whether we like it or not, we begin to see that their eyes of the world are not our eyes. (laughs) And we have to face a reality that may be very uncomfortable, but... And then so I think around that time is when the parents do begin to appreciate it in the middle team. Mm-hmm. And because they begin to realize that, wait a minute, she's not introducing topics here. She's covering topics that have already been dealt with mm-hmm. <laughs> in real life, you know. And I try to be very appropriate, um, even when I'm dealing with an adult audience, even though, like, you know, I can be more complex and different issues when I'm dealing with a higher-level reading uh, mm-hmm. group. But as a general rule, I try to remain very appropriate i'm not writing literatica i know some muslims feel like this. that's fine but that's not my genre I've mm-hmm. written it all. I've so i'm not into that um but um so i, I really strive to do that and so definitely muslim girls very enjoyable i really enjoyed it yes. because i really felt like i was writing about myself it wasn't my story per se mm-hmm. but i felt like this is what i would have loved to read it when i was in high school <laughs> And that
0: that yeah. I believe that's why your formula works because, as you stated before, you put yourself there. I do. You, yeah, you I immerse know. yourself into the experience of the characters. They develop, and you just give them a you give them a voice.
1: Yes, I try Pretty to do that. Yeah. Whether they're considered the protagonist, the antagonist, the person mm-hmm. people like, don't like, I try to be very honest about it because I don't think it's authentic any other way. Because everyone who's living their life mm-hmm. understands and believes that their life is justifiable and you know so nobody judgmental of their own life on the same level that we are to others okay so
0: so listeners if you got some tweens if you got some teenagers if you have some young women in college i highly recommend the muslim girl stories and she just turned 17 but she really liked the if i should speak book as well
1: much so I remember you
0: mentioned yes. some things and you're like, Now this one may have some topics about this and this may have but that ended up being um one of one of her favorite of, of all the ones that we've gotten so far.
1: That that actually yeah. is the most famous of all of the books. Wow. That one has gotten the most inquiries for movies.
0: Um mm. and things
1: like that. And we just finished filming um a short movie for his other wife. Yes. We have a, well, we finished the main part, I should mm-hmm. say. And that's
0: I was going to bring that up next, you know, because now we're we're dropping some book titles here. Before we're done, I want to make sure we get the information out on how people can find out more about you, how they can purchase your books. Um, I will delete that, how they can purchase your books. Um, but another thing I wanted to say was branching out to other realms or other projects, so please expound on the his Other Wife series and the oh. filming.
1: Yes, his Other Wife Started off as a short story um, online series that I thought was going to be about five stories, and then his other wife ended up being 22 consecutive um, mm-hmm. um, weekly short stories. Then after we got re- a lot of requests um, for it, we ended up having um, a full novel with 40 chapters, and in the format it's in 640 pages, but it could have actually been printed if I didn't like. Try to squeeze it into one book I about about maybe nine hundred only a thousand wow. pieces, yeah, that's how it would have probably turned that's out into one that. yeah, so and then people are now asking for a sequel for that, mm-hmm. so we have um also his other wife' uh movie that we just did a short filming, and we perhaps would we're still looking at what more we can do with that, and mm-hmm. we had um some of the people who are in it. We have the um, singer uh, Zayma. We have the um, mm-hmm. former NFL player Hamza Abdullah from the uh, Abdullah Brothers. We have Jamil Elamine, wow. who's mm-hmm. a close cool friend and inspiration to me.
2: Yeah. Uh, beautiful, also beautiful.
1: playing in it. We, you know, we have Nadine from Naduna Fitness in there. We also have Noor um, Wazwa wow. from NPR, who interviewed Tyrese Gibson.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, Asaki playing our main character, Aaliyah. We had a, um, a nice feature um, appearance by Khalil Ismail. The, um, wow! Yeah. So, so yes, yeah, packed in there. So
0: I'm afraid <laughs> you're right.
1: And then I'll keep along another um, uh, artist who is also in there. Oh, I hope I didn't miss anyone. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, oh, that God. sounds like, you know, we got all these movies that's coming out and there's actors and actresses that we've known forever, but for those of us that are Muslim, we, we have our little, you know, celebrities or people that we admire as well on a different level and for different reasons. And yes. I, I like the list that you just ticked off. I'm sure there are people listening and it's like, oh, 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 wow. So the anticipation, inshallah, will continue to grow. And I pray that whomever is listening to this, that they, they share this link for the broadcast. Please offer any feedback to Umza Kia. And again, she is, lo- um, she is located on Facebook as well. But let her know if this, if this interview inspired you, share it with some friends, tell them about it and get the word out. Because again, as we start off telling our stories and, and creating our own narrative, it's so very, very important. But the other part that is connected is supporting the people who are courageous enough to put these endeavors together and present them not just to a Muslim audience, but to the entire world. Now, where can listeners go? To purchase some of your books that you have or follow along with you
1: use the author.com that's the best place you'll find links for the books you'll see a link for use the books and also uh, the store you'll find all of the books or most of the books there we're still updating because i'm continuously writing <laughs>
2: uh,
1: so the, use the author.com and also you can or if you just want to follow me, you can look on Twitter and Instagram. I am at UZ the Author there. Um, and then Facebook is Umzakia page. So yeah, so if, but the main thing if you want just, just to find out about my writing, the best Places use the author.com.
0: Okay, well, thank you so very much. And what I'll try to do is just transcribe those links and include them as I share the advertisement for this flyer. So once people listen, they make it easy for me to go click away, join in, subscribe, yeah, I like all that. that good stuff. <laughs> it's I like that, yeah. And any advice that you have for any young writers? I know we mentioned previously regarding how self publishing maybe be an easier way to go. Now they have a lot of formats that are available. Book covers, editors are all over the place. It's really a great place for the entrepreneur, or someone coming together on their own to get started. But as far as the emotional impact of the courage of telling a story, um, it takes a certain amount of self-esteem to believe in yourself enough to, to present your dream. Do you have anything to say to the people who are really
1: listening to this and feeling like
0: I want to pick up a pen and, and do the same thing?
1: Well, I, I find it interesting to self-esteem because I never really thought about myself in that way as having like mm-hmm. a lot of mm-hmm. self-esteem. I kind of look at it more so, I look at successful writing, first of all, obviously it's from a lot. Yes. But a mixture of soul and craft, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. so you have to firstly worry about, or not worry about, I don't want to say worry about, concern yourself with making sure that whatever you're doing you know it's benefiting your soul and it's speaking from your heart and soul with honesty and you do that with prayer and then also with the craft element obviously you read the best selling books in the genre that you that you like um, read how-to books some of the best not all any how-to books because nowadays they have all kinds of how-to books but mm-hmm. I highly recommend for anyone who's looking to self-publish and just just to get a, a story down just self-publish I'm sorry self Editing for fiction writers. Um, And that kind of gives people an idea. It's not written necessarily for a young audience, but I think for anyone who's about to write, I think you're old enough to read anything, you know, if you're about to write for the world. So it's it's self editing uh, for fiction writers. And in terms of the soul part, I can't emphasize that enough because we really do have a sensational uh, culture in the world today where you can write about anything, you know, Um, Mm -hmm. but my advice, I mean, I can't stop you, but my advice would be, you know, just remember that whatever you write is going to be still on earth when you're buried beneath it. So, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: um, so just keep that in mind that when we die, we have this knowledge that we left behind and that could be positive or negative. Be very careful with that. But at the same time, you know, don't stress too much, but I think honesty. And one of the things that I think is my strength is that I'm, I'm no longer afraid of my weakness. Mm. See, I knew something good would come out of that question. I knew it. Come on, Stella. I don't look at that as self-esteem. I've just reached the point where I'm a human being, and I accept that. And I really don't think that you can create a real honest story unless you embrace all of your humanity. And you can, you know, I'm not proud of my Mm faults, but at the same time, I'm a human being. And I've learned throughout the years, and people can probably see the progression even in my own writing of how more in depth each story became in terms of the order, in terms of the years of publication. Simply because I made, I finally came to a place where I'm just like, look, we're all human, and I'm struggling. Mm-hmm. And and I think even being, at the more my work grew, the more criticism I got, the more you know, and it, and it actually ended up benefiting me so much because. Yeah. I believe criticism is very, very beneficial for your soul because it reminds you, you're a human being, you have to put your head in such a, just like everybody else. And it's humbling because you, you, it also reminds you who you did it for. I didn't write it for the people, I Mm -hmm. I wrote it for the sake of Allah to benefit the people. Mm -hmm. So when you worry too much about people, it's like what the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam taught us, it's like if Mm -hmm. we're gonna seek to please the people, the people will not love us. If we want the people to love us, the people will end up not loving us, and Allah the will not love us. But if we seek to uh, seek Allah's love and His pleasure, then He will love us, and He will make the people love. us. So, uh, so I try, and it's a jihad enough. It's a struggle within myself, but you know, because having your purifying your intentions is a lifelong mm-hmm. effort.
0: You don't yes, ever yes. get
1: to a point where it's like, oh yeah, that's it. That I'm a sincere person. Done deal. I'm in Jannah. You know? Yeah, um,
0: <laughs> <laughs> ain't that easy? Yes,
1: ma'am. That would be nice, but you know I think that just because you are going to open the floodgates for criticism, I will say that whenever you put something out there and you will find some is very constructive and beneficial if we, if we can get beyond our emotions and hurt feelings yeah but i but I also think that you'll also find that a lot is um it's just you know strengthening your emotional spiritual muscle. Yes.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to say um, first and foremost, thank you so very, very much, Umzakia, for giving me the opportunity to speak with you, uh, share my admiration of your work. Because I, I haven't been in touch with you other than when I said, "Oh, this is just so great! I want to get some more books. What do you recommend?" But um, I do have a, a sincere admiration for your craft, um, yeah. your 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 abilities that that you use. Um, the way that you ground yourself, the beautiful reminders that you have shared, inserted in between the business advice, alhamdulillah. And I'd like to say you, you have a gift for touching the spiritual and emotional. So when I was listening to you just now, when you said speaking from your heart and soul, I wanted to read something from the very first page of Hearts We Lost. Oh, my go ahead. <laughs> from, my, from my copy of, of Hearts We Lost, it says, July 19, 2014, to Kimberly, it was a pleasure meeting you. May the book touch your heart and soul, Art of Ramadan. And I want to say to you, um, the kid that it has. And inshallah, the words that you shared tonight, the advice that you've given, and, and the way the example that you have set for a lot of women worldwide, nationally, and locally continues to, to shine a light and your your radiant talent, the brilliance that you have in you letting Allah shine through you will continue
1: for a very long time. I yeah. mean, yeah. I, I I ask people to make do for me all the time. And I, as I wrote in one of my books and maybe more than that is that I truly believe that my, in terms of my gratefulness to those on earth, they belong to those who remembered me in their prayer. So I thank you for that.
0: Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Well, Thank you so very much.
1: Thank you for having me. I, yes.
0: I really enjoyed it. Yes, sir. Aslan, sister. Thank you for all that you do. Inshallah, you continue. You
1: too. As-salamualaikum. Wa-alaikumsalam. Way better close. alaykum. Wa alaykum i better,
0: I'd like to thank everyone for tuning in to another episode of the Radiant Brilliant Show with your host, Kimberly Kalima. If you'd like to be a guest or know someone who would make a great guest, please email me at guestinfo, trbs, at gmail.com. Guest info trbs at gmail.com if you have a show idea or would like to offer feedback please email the radiant brilliant show at gmail.com the radiant brilliant show at gmail.com all of our shows are archived for future playback you can find the radiant brilliant show page on google plus on facebook and of course blog talk radio thank you so much for supporting us and we will see you again on next thursday